Welcome to The Road to Rural Prosperity, featuring stories about rural Oklahoma and rural America. Guiding us on the journey today is our host, Ron Hayes. Welcome to our third episode on The Road to Rural Prosperity, as we're exploring the concept of Oklahoma excellence, making Oklahoma truly a top 10 state in every way. Powering our journey today is the Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma, and the Oklahoma Rural Water Association. On the road with us today, a person who spent her life making a difference in dozens of locations across the state of Oklahoma, Teresa Rose Crook, Chief Executive Officer and the Executive Director of the Communities Foundation of Oklahoma. Our conversation with Teresa will begin in just a few moments. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve. The Petroleum Alliance represents every segment of the oil and natural gas industry, speaking with one voice when advocating for the interest of its members, landowner partners, and employees. Our mission is to enhance Oklahoma's economy and every segment of the energy industry. Howdy neighbors and welcome to our third episode of the Road to Rural Prosperity. This is the podcast series spotlighting Oklahoma excellence. Today's guest is a person who spent her life making a difference in dozens of locations across the state of Oklahoma. Very pleased to have with us today, Teresa Rose Crook, the Chief Executive Officer and Executive Director of the Communities Foundation of Oklahoma. Teresa, welcome. Thank you so much. So glad to be here. Appreciate you taking a few minutes to, to join us today on the road to rural prosperity. Now, you're, well, you're born and raised Oklahoma, right? No, actually, I'm from Texas, okay. but very close. I grew up in a community that's just across the border, um, Burt Burnett. So we actually would come to Oklahoma a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I feel like I was I had a foot in Oklahoma all my life, but I moved here when I was 20 to go to college. So and I've been here ever since. And you did uh, what uh, your uh, college work uh, in Oklahoma City? Yeah. Yes, I um, attended uh, Oklahoma City University and uh, got my undergraduate degree in English education, um, taught school, um, but I'd always wanted to go to law school. So after I I taught for uh, a year and loved it, but I thought, you know, I'm ready to go to law school. I'm ready to get that, (laughs) get that um, accomplishment. And so I went to OCU again for law school and um, again, had a phenomenal experience. Now, uh, you always hear the stories about law school, you know, how tough law school is, how all-encompassing it is. Is, is, that, is that true? Yes. Um, <laughs> it, it really is. Uh, one of the things that you, I didn't realize, and I don't think most of us did when we started, is law school really helps you learn how to think differently. Um, so the first year, you're just floundering around trying to figure out what they're talking about. But once you get it, once your brain starts thinking in a different way, um, it's fantastic. But it is long hours. I, I really do think that it helped me being an English major because I was used to reading a lot. Because, um, yeah, yeah we, we read till our eyes bled. 
I guess what there, there's, I'm sure there's an oh, oh my oh, OMG, oh, oh my goodness, uh, moment or two that you kind of remember. Oh, absolutely. Um, several, as a matter of fact. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I remember one, one in, in particular in my constitutional law two class. Um, I, because it's, you know, you prepare and then the professor calls on you and you have to um, talk about the case. And, um, and I actually did better than I thought I was going to. And I thought, Okay, okay, I got this. I can do this. <laughs> but it was it was great. I loved I, I actually um I have four kids and um I think one one is pretty sure she's gonna go to law school. We have another mm-hmm. one thinking about it and my husband's looking at me going, No, no, don't encourage it and I just I think it's a phenomenal um degree, it's a phenomenal experience, so um, I'm encouraging them. Uh, he may be looking at the checkbook, that's for sure. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now, obviously, law degree in, in hand, you started practicing law for a while. Uh, interesting that I noted uh, on, on your, your website, the uh, Communities Foundation website, that you got out and actually worked with some schools all across, really all across Oklahoma. Absolutely. So um, was very lucky after I graduated, worked at the State Department of Education um, for a few years. And then, as you said, when into private practice representing school districts across the state. Um, I was in a law firm that we represented about 150 plus uh, Mm. school districts and I'm talking from Buffalo to Idabel, Miami to Hobart. Um, We (laughs) crisscrossed the state and and it was what of course, I loved the education component. Um, I was blessed to be able to marry the two my two loves education and law. Um, But Growing up in a small community, I knew how unique and special that experience is. Mm -hmm. And in practicing law across the state, I got to do that again. I got to be in such a variety of communities. Every town is different. Every group of people is different. Their school district, their students, their values, their priorities. And, And it, for me, made it so much fun. Mm -hmm. Um, practicing law can be, um, taxing it can be difficult it can be very emotional but the joy for me came in working with all those communities and and being in those towns where people care so much about their neighbors i know that uh, you know when you start talking about that variety or that that uh, variation of number of number of different communities and the school systems that you're working with a lot of good folks absolutely i'm sure there are a few characters as well absolutely <laughs> There's one particular individual that um, comes to mind when you say that, and he, bless his heart, he, um, I would go to school board meetings, and mm-hmm. this gentleman was always there, and um, sometimes he had consumed some substances, um, sometimes he had, but he was always lively. We never, it, it, it always made for interesting um school board meetings because we never quite knew what he was going to do so Mm -hmm. you betcha (laughs) you know one of the things about the school systems that obviously this was a great foundation for some of your uh, uh, charitable work your 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 work uh, with uh, trying to give back to the community through places like Chesapeake down the road Uh, when you start talking about these school systems they are the the heartbeat of the communities absolutely they are um for a lot of communities, and I can sit, sit here and think of a number of them that, um, so moving to Communities Foundation of Oklahoma, many community funds are focused on schools because mm-hmm. the the priority of children is, is the highest in the community. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that was, it really 
did help bridge and really gave me a good kind of sense of the background of some of the communities that we get to work in now. Did, did that give you an early, uh, at least a small dose of, uh, of FFA in, the, uh, in, the, in that mix? Absolutely it did. Um, you know, that was one of kind of the bedrock organizations for students mm-hmm. that um, from the school board level um, and then on to when I was at Chesapeake and then now it's one of those organizations that's just grounded for students. It gives adults the opportunity to come and support. Um, but yeah, it's, that's a great constant in many communities. I know that uh, our pass actually cost when you were at, at Chesapeake a few times, uh, and and you know obviously one of the one of the uh, great organizations that Chesapeake chose to uh, to support uh, was was the Future Farmers FFA of, of Oklahoma, and uh, truly uh, the uh, the support uh, by Chesapeake and by a lot of other groups uh, like like Chesapeake was re- has been remarkable. Absolutely, we were so proud, and. Um, being completely honest, when I was growing up, I did not participate in mm-hmm. FFA. And so um, when I was practicing law, I was exposed to it and saw the tremendous impact. Um, but then really, when I was at Chesapeake and the director of community relations got to work with the organizations that we funded, mm-hmm. the first time I went to the state convention, I was absolutely blown away at the quality and the number, um, the care, the, the ability of an organization to touch so many lives and every one of them have such outstanding quality character outcomes really speaks tremendous of the programming and um, the, the leaders that that organization identifies to work with young people. It was, like I said, it, it absolutely blew me away and it ended right. up being one of my favorite events that I would go to every year. I love <laughs> Loved, I loved the FFA convention. You betcha. Yeah, I tell you, if you'd uh, probably didn't have a chance to make any of the national meetings, but I tell you, the, the state state FFA convention is pretty special for indeed. So. Absolutely. Uh, you know, your, your time at Chesapeake, I know that that's another one of those things that probably gave you a lot of perspective for what you're doing today, mm-hmm. uh, how how generous uh, the, the, the corporate uh, mindset was of, of Chesapeake uh, at, at that time, and it, it's even carried into you know, into today as well. Oh, absolutely. So, um, and that was, uh, so I was approached when I was working, uh, when I was practicing law um, by a friend who said, hey, would you be interested in changing career fields? And and I loved what I was doing, loved my communities, um, you know, actually cried at a couple of board meetings when I went and told them I was leaving. I mean, I, I really loved these people that I was working with. Mm-hmm. And um but I thought, you know, I've, I, I had some experiences when I was growing up, and I, you know, and they were very specific moments that I still remember, that uh, it was embedded in me that giving back um, is one of the most important things that we can do with our life, with our time, with our talent, right. um, and with our wealth. And so I took a big gulp and accepted the role as Director of Community Relations for Chesapeake, and that was in 2008. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started, I I don't know that Chesapeake didn't ever have some exciting years, but I started there in a very exciting (laughs) year. And um, 
uh, that was where I found my true calling, mm-hmm. um, and that is to help people be charitable and philanthropic and be a steward of impact. Um, and it has it truly changed my life, getting to having the opportunity to work with directly with Aubrey McClendon um, and Martha Berger, who was my mm-hmm. direct supervisor, um, two tremendous philanthropists and leaders. And um, it really it really changed my life. It changed the way I feel like I can affect and impact and improve. And uh, what was always interesting to me about those uh, those days, uh, no Martha and, and 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 I know that you know they they were interested in in a more of a statewide approach, not just you know confining just to the Oklahoma City metro area, for example. Absolutely. Um, we often talked about when we would review um, charitable requests that, I mean, they, they really did understand the holistic, um, the economy of people. Mm-hmm. And they understood and we, we talked about how impacting and, and supporting a life in Purcell would impact and support the overall state economy mm-hmm. and therefore us as a business. Um, so I learned a tremendous amount about how philanthropy really feeds into an overall both local economy, state economy, and I'm sure and it applies nationally. But yeah, they it wasn't just about Oklahoma City. It was all over the state. And and again, I had the opportunity to work in all of the states that we had operations. Mm-hmm. And that was our approach everywhere. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things that I loved um, for, of our approach was we really tried to identify what the community said was their greatest need. And, I mean, we built a, a daycare playground in Ohio, or we would um, buy an ambulance in South Texas. It would be what the community told us. And I think that that was something that, that was very valuable and unique right. about our approach, um, but something that I, I continue to take into the work that I'm doing today. Teresa Rose Cook with the Community Foundations of Oklahoma with us today. And we'll return to the road to rural prosperity in just a moment. Headquartered in Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center envisions a quality public education for every child in Oklahoma. And their mission is to drive transformation and increased academic achievement within Oklahoma's public education system. The Resource Center is a nonprofit organization that provides essential resources, professional development, and technical assistance to the state's public schools. They advocate for high quality instruction for all Oklahoma students and support increasing classroom innovation to provide them a challenging, globally competitive education. With communities from border to border, Bank First lenders understand the needs of today's agricultural market. Whether you need to purchase land, equipment, or livestock, or maybe need an operating line of credit, call on Bank First. They are a certified lender with the Farm Service Agency and can help with specialized financing when other banks can't. Bank First is proud to serve the needs of the Sooner State's agricultural market. Bank First is loyal to Oklahoma and you. Member FDIC, loan subject to approved credit. Let's continue the journey on the road to rural prosperity, stories for rural Americans. Once again, here's host Ron Hayes. Welcome back to today's edition of the Road to Rural Prosperity. We're looking at Oklahoma excellence today, and joining us is Teresa Rose Crook of the Communities Foundation of Oklahoma. Let's talk about 
this organization that you're now CEO and executive director of, you but what is this organization? So we are a community foundation, which is a specific um, component of the IRS code. And what we are allowed to do is act as the um, administrator, manager. We can kind of spread our 501c3 umbrella over individuals, businesses, organizations, projects, communities. So in other words, they don't have to go set up a separate 501c3 to receive the benefits, the tax benefits as well as the distribution benefits. We were started in 1992 by a gentleman named Tom McCaslin Jr. from Duncan, and um, he wanted for rural communities the same benefits that Oklahoma City and Tulsa had with their community foundations. Mm -hmm. He saw the benefit. He saw how it can, how a community foundation can uplift a community, and um, so he began with a number of his friends, and that served on the board. Some of them are still serving on our board today. In 1999, Gene Rainbolt joined Mr. McCaslin. And so okay. we consider those two gentlemen to be our, our founders. And um, Gene is still active with our board and um, still involved and meet with him on a regular basis. As you, uh, as you look at this organization, it, it truly is obviously uh, focused on the entire state. Absolutely. We are, you know, again, I feel like I'm repeating my, my previous story, but um, we truly are across the state. We have funds um, in about 20 communities. Um, we have funders and donors from really across the state. And um, we, are, we just want to help and be a support to individuals, businesses, and communities that want to efficiently give back and impact their communities. I know what you, you mentioned a couple of your board members. The, the board, I'm sure, has a lot of diversity to it as well. Yes, and that's one of the requirements in our bylaws is that uh, no two board members can be from the same uh, county. And um, so we have uh, board members from Lawton, Norman, um, Tahlequah, Marlowe, Shawnee, uh, Duncan, Antlers, Alva, I mean, we, we really try to be diverse. And it, it's critically important for us so that I um, get the feedback and the insight from those people with the, again, the variety of community understandings so that we really know how we can help. Right. How, how, how do you really successfully intersect with folks in, in rural Oklahoma? Um, well, it's really kind of a lot of word of mouth. Um, either an individual will approach and say, hey, I've got, I've got some assets that I, I really need some help stewarding. Um, or um, we'll have a group of community leaders come to us and say, you know, we, we are interested in developing a community fund, but we don't know how to do it. We don't mm -hmm. know where to start. Um, whether it's a fully identified plan or strategy or just the beginnings of a conversation. Um, we get in there and help people sort it out. And we're working with one community right now that they've had a fund for seven or eight years, but they're really thinking through how to be very strategic, how to identify really what are the greatest needs, not just the needs that are they're approached with. And so I love doing that kind of work. I love helping those people figure out how to both um, pull together the resources, but also have the greatest impact in their communities. 
when you uh, when you start talking about uh, these communities uh, out across the state that you're actually working with right now, what what are a couple examples of uh, of some stories that are ongoing? May, maybe have already uh, kind of achieved their, their level of, of of success and maturity. Well, um, goodness, there's a bunch that come to mind. Um, we have. And, and our community funds have a, a wide range of activity. Mm-hmm. Some are, you know, we've got one community that um, it's a it's called a crossroads um, community. They are doing fundraising and pulling together, uh, designing a plan to build um, a pavilion. Um, we have another community that uh, Tahlequah has done really a phenomenal job. They started, I don't know how many years ago, um, probably about 10 or 12 years ago. They began with um, one grant round, one $500 grant one year. Now they are up to two grant rounds a year and disperse between twenty dollars and $25,000 per grant round. And that's – they Tahlequah has chosen to focus on um, education and uh, playgrounds, accessibility, and they, they've done a phenomenal job. Um, we have another community that – decided to focus on scholarships you know back to how important education Mm -hmm. is for a lot of communities and it's it's a very small community community ringwood but they have one of the most active scholarship funds or set of funds um, and they provide um, I don't know off the top of my head how many scholarships but they provide numerous scholarships every year to students that graduate from ringwood so Mm. and I could go on and on and on but um, just amazing work um, by people in these communities. Right. Now, you know, you, you've heard the conversation that uh, the uh, governor, when he was campaigning a year ago, kind of initiated uh, and uh, has kind of carried through during the early months of his, uh, of his administration this uh, talk of, of a top 10 uh, state uh, in, in all areas. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how does that intersect with what your mission is at, uh, at the Communities uh, Community Foundation of Oklahoma? Well, um, I think we are a piece. We are a tool to accomplish that. We have people approach us um, almost on a daily basis that have assets that are looking to utilize them effective, effectively and efficiently to improve the quality of life in their community. And um, that's that's what we do. Mm-hmm. And so as we think about becoming a top 10 state, it's we are a conduit to transition the assets that we have in the state to have the impact. Um, I don't there are a lot of communities in a lot of counties that have I mean that ha- have resources. Mm-hmm. It's figuring out how to deploy them so that we can lift up whatever the need is, whether it be, um, education, whether it be housing, whether it be mental health services, whatever that is in that community. And people that live in that community, they know. They know what the needs are. Um, but I absolutely believe that we are um, a tool for that. Additionally, we um, we also have a, a large number of endowment funds. And that's when an individual or a group will set aside funds that um, they receive a distribution. They receive um, ongoing money out of that fund. So it provides that stability, that sustainable funding opportunity Mm -hmm. um, so that 
um, a service provider or an organization doesn't have to try to fundraise every year for to be able to implement services. Um, and so that's that's another way that we can lift up, but for a long time, as opposed to just an immediate need. For uh, for the future, in other words, what, what's out there ahead? Uh, that you're kind of starting to, to think about, you've got maybe in your in your longer term plan for for the organization. Well, in our in my industry, we are talking a lot about um, in the next couple of decades. Mm-hmm. There is there will be the greatest transition of wealth that our nation has ever seen, and um, planned giving is an important part of that. Um, I saw a billboard the other day. I drive a lot. Um, this week I've been in Alva and Stillwater and Duncan and yeah. So um, and it said, "Are you giving your children money or are you giving them a mess?" And I thought that is a great question. <laughs> um, and so we are pretty messy, aren't we? Yeah. Um, and so that is one of the things that we that um, will be building is our planned giving programming mm-hmm. to help people that want to transfer their wealth, want to do it um, where it's not a burden to their children, but can also accomplish the goals that they they see that they would like to accomplish in their future. Mm-hmm. I would obviously not just children as well, but also those uh, those special passions of their life as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, as when we think about uh, getting involved with uh, with the uh, Community Foundation of, of, of Oklahoma, you know, how, how does somebody do that? How, what do they do? Well, first off, you can. The easiest way is just pick up the phone and call me, um, and uh, or you can just look us up online, Communities Foundation of Oklahoma, cfok dot org, um, or just um, you know. Uh, just like I said, just give me a call. We mm-hmm. love to hear from people. You know, we you can just walk into our office. We are located at 63rd and Chartel here in Oklahoma City. But um, any way that you want to get in touch with us, wherever you are in your planning or in your desire to impact your community, give me a call and we will help you accomplish that goal. You think, uh, is, it, is it reasonable to uh, say that we can have greater prosperity in the rural parts of our state? Absolutely, um, without without question. Um, one of the things that the analogies that I make about Communities Foundation of Oklahoma or the concept of a community fund is, it's like the stone soup story. Um, individually, we may not be able to make a large impact, mm-hmm. but pooling the resources that we have together and utilizing efficiently the things that we have, we can have a tremendous impact and create prosperity and sustainability for individuals and communities throughout our state. Teresa, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you so much. Teresa Rose Crook with the Communities Foundation of Oklahoma joining us today on the road to rural prosperity. I'm Ron Hayes. Thanks for joining us for today's Road to Rural Prosperity podcast. You can join the conversation about how rural Oklahoma can prosper by looking for us on Facebook. And you can find our growing number of conversations on our website, ruralprosperityok.com. The Road to Rural Prosperity podcast series is a production of the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network and oklahomafarmreport.com. Proud to be a part of the family of the Funk Companies.